Hello and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Brown, and thanks so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and generally the use of sound for health and wellness. Today, our guest is Frank DiCristina. I met Frank a couple years ago now at the Gong Summit over in Connecticut. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I I met a lot of uh, people and connected with a lot of people that have been podcast guests uh, from that Gong Summit. And Frank was the person running sound, doing all the technology at the Gong Summit. So during this podcast, we do talk a little bit about using sound and equipment and gear when it comes to these fields of, of sound healing, sound meditation, sound baths. We also talk about his background, his long fascination with sound, as well as energy medicine. He's also a dowsing practitioner, does a lot of energy work, and he's also a building biologist, which really looks at how systems affect our health. So we get into that and what that all means. And generally, we just have a really fun conversation. I just really enjoyed it very much, and I hope you do as well. This podcast is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa, located in Sarasota, Florida, as well as online at theohmshop.com. They have the country's largest showroom of crystal bowls and vibrational tools. As soon as you walk into the Ohm Shop, you know that you have just been surrounded by good vibes. Good vibes. It's an amazing feeling. And Online, you can see their products as well, as well as their learning center uh, and uh, sound meditations. And I'm very lucky to teach sound healing workshops there at the Ohm Shop throughout the year as well. So thank you so much to the Ohm Shop and Spa for their sponsorship and support of this podcast. Thank you so much. And please enjoy this episode with Frank DeCristina. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Um, I'd like to start with your background, actually, uh, specifically if it's related to sound, but just tell us a little bit about your background with music, maybe growing up when you really first getting got into uh, sound work. Okay. Well, I, um, I actually played violin once I was in grammar school. Um, but being, you know, young skinny kid with big glasses, that doesn't go really well in the schoolyard. <laughs> when I really got interested in sound, I mean, I've always been interested in it, but really got deep into it would be in the 70s. Um, I got into electronic music and electronic music is any music that uses, um, I don't want to use the word artificial, but, you know, synthetic or or. Uh, manufactured sounds. So some people would say electric guitar is artificial, but not really because there is some acoustics to that. So I worked with uh, electronic music instruments, synthesizers, and this is back in the 70s. It was the big ones. Um, they're literally walls of equipment and then bands like Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, um, Michael Cotton and Vince Welnick from the Tubes. Um, uh, Joseph Zollinol from Weather Report, they would play all these like walls of equipment. And in Europe, you had bands like um, Tangerine Dream, where the entire band was literally walls and literally walls and walls of synthesizer gear. 
Um, I actually went to Boston School of Electronic Music, studied there, um, and uh, eventually um, there was a, a job opening at a music warehouse near near my where I was living. I mean, literally like a bicycles right away. And I was a keyboard technician for a uh, keyboard company there for several years. And so my job was uh, fixing uh, electronic musical instruments, pianos, electric pianos, organs, and synthesizers. The, the thing about that is um, when a keyboard player comes in complaining because we really, you have to really study sound. It's not just like, well, let's just listen to this. You have to study the, the, the composition of it, how a sound is created, um, how it's formed, so that in the electronic music world, you have to be able to mimic it. So when these instruments would come in and let's say a keyboard player would say, my oboes sound like violas, to the layman, it doesn't mean anything, but to a, a composer, is doing, let's say, doing strings rather than a woodwind or a trumpet. You had to understand how is that sound structured? How is it created? And how do we artificially create it? So that was my job was going in and fixing those type of things. Uh, from there, I've always been into audio itself. I've worked at uh, various companies doing consumer electronics, um, um, car stereos, alarms, and such. So I was always into sound. I used to do uh, home theater uh, back in the early days when it was the really big stuff. And, and you know, a big screen TV was a, a giant tube or a projector. So I was always into uh, the acoustics of the environment, improving that. And then eventually uh, I decided to go back to school. I went to college for uh, 24 track. It was back then it was 24 track um, multi-track recording so I mean it wasn't like I took a class I took an actual two-year program and of course this was prior to getting degrees in audio um, if you wanted a degree you had to go the scientific route which would be engineering um, and I, I did some of that also but that ended, ended up me uh, that ended me being in the industrial sector because that's where the money was. Um, you couldn't make money as an audio engineer unless you were one of the big wigs. Uh, most of the time you're, you're left to sharpening pencils and filling out forms and, and, and filling out labels on, on real to real tapes back then. Now everything's all digital and it's all done on a computer or on a little drive or something. So things are a lot different on how uh, things are processed and 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 uh, archived and stored and and uh, formatted and transferred. Uh, back in the old days, when you wanted to transfer something, and I'm talking 70s and 80s, you put it on a uh, a CD. Well, you didn't have CDs yet. You put it on a tape, a uh, real tape, which was seven inches to 12 inches uh, from a quarter inch to two inches wide. And uh, you basically had a copy from one machine to another. Um, nowadays, we take a little thumb drive, we stick it in the computer and, you know, we hit copy and, you know, wait a, not even a few minutes anymore and boom, it's done. You got, a, you got an archive copy. Um, 
Getting into the sound of the metal, and I mean is singing bowls and gongs in particular, uh, and bells. Uh, my wife is a feng shui consultant, and we used to get into uh, what they use as singing bowls for space clearing. Um, that's energy work, energy medicine, uh, energy of the house. So we were selling singing bowls. And this is back in like 1998. We were doing expos, fairs, conferences. And she was making jewelry and cures, uh, energetic uh, artifacts to hang around the, the house to um, help clear or dissipate energy. And the singing bowl was brought in for that. I started helping her uh make the long story short one thing led to another next thing you know i'm playing singing bowls and i'm basically taking over everything because it was just fascinating the bowls are just amazing and it grew into well what you see behind me right now um and believe me there's a lot more than that <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious about, um, I know you studied in Nepal, and maybe just talk a little bit about uh, the progression of your fascination and perhaps obsession, how that built, and maybe a little bit about your, your trainings and your favorite things about these metal instruments. Well, N Nepal actually goes back to, to, to my archival behaviors, uh, my... my well, I'll just say my shenanigans. Um, I wanted to go to Nepal for other reasons. Um, it was the 70s. I'm a, I'm a child of the 60s and the 70s. So um, I don't do that anymore. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say and, and proud to say I've been sober 35 years. Um, to say I went to Nepal to, to go get stoned. Yes, that's what I wanted to do since, since uh, the Beatles went to India. They wanted to go to India. I wanted to go to Nepal. It's just one of those things. I've always wanted to go to Kathmandu. But um, I started studying, actually taking hardcore studying of singing bowls and gongs. Uh, actually, it was gongs first. Uh, it was 2007. I went and took a class at the Minneapolis Yoga Institute. It was like a one-day class on gongs, and it was absolutely fascinating. But I started studying with uh, some other teachers uh, right around that time also on singing bowls. And then I met uh, um, Dr. Mitch Nur, which I know you're familiar with, uh, from Nine Ways Academia. And in 2000, I've been following him for years. And the problem is with, with these programs is finding the time. Because I had a full-time job. I had a really good job. I was an engineering technician for a computer company. Uh, uh, doing all kinds of work with that, but finding the time for the passion or at that time was like a hobby, but it was part-time work because I'm helping my wife with the singing bowls. Um, but I was following Dr. Mitch in nine ways for years. And finally there was an opening and the timing and I could get the vacation time. So in 2013, I took his program for the 12 day singing bowl program. And that was eight days of uh, learning and working with the singing bowls and then four days of mentorship. And um, 
Kempo Rasta uh, uh, is a Tibetan Lama. He's our spiritual director. I think you might know him also. Um, he was teaching there. So by fascinating with Nepal grew immensely and into a more spiritual part of it because I understood the significance of the bowls, you know, and the metal and the processing of how this is all coming together as I got more education and deeper and deeper and deeper into the singing bowl culture. Um, an opportunity came up in 2014 when Dr. Mitch put a field trip together for, for a bunch of his students and I just had to jump on it. Uh, no matter what, I had to go to Nepal. And uh, yeah, we spent two weeks there. It was phenomenal. Um, we went and uh, we went to the, the cultural sites, uh, the UNESCO sites. We went to a small, we'll call it a factory, which really actually isn't much bigger than my studio in reality. It was basically a little room with a couple of furnaces and they were making the bowls by hand and the, the work was absolutely beyond as exquisite. Uh, we got to meet the, uh, the owners and the people who basically started the industry as a industry rather than just a, a cultural uh, aspect. And it, it just blew me away. And from that point on, I mean, I was already into it, but I was gone at that point. You know, it was like, how, how do you say, seal the deal? So uh, going to Nepal and coming back was, you know, it was just uh, completely life-changing. And I can't wait to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an amazing place even just to, to see the temples and, and see all that rich history. And yeah. Now, I know you've uh, also practiced and learned and studied um, crystal healing, Reiki, dowsing. You know, did that all kind of happen along at the same time or are, are those well, kind of side interests or how did that all happen as well? Um, like I said, my wife was a feng shui consultant and we were doing these alternative healing um, fairs, expos and chiropractic conferences, acupuncture conferences, massage conferences, energy conferences, you know, things like that where completely removed from mainstream and the mainstream medical model, um, natural healing. I've been, I'm not against modern medical. Um, it's just, I believe that there are natural ways to deal with certain things. And a lot of, I have to be careful. I say this, a lot of medical models or medical protocols take you away from that and they pump you up with all these they're treating symptoms rather than finding the cause um so that being said as i was being exposed more and more to this type of lifestyle through the uh, exhibitions you know we would set up a table to sell things or try to promote our businesses um um for example, dowsing, I knew nothing about dowsing, um, just what I've, I knew about from the farmers and uh, looking for water. Um, and the funny thing about that is my wife gave me a birthday uh, 
uh, she gave me a certificate and that was 2000. Yeah, that was 2007 also, because uh, 2007 was a big year for a lot of crazy things in, in the normal world. So um, what happened was she gave me a certificate for a dowsing class, which I thought was one hour, you know, one hour or two hours. I didn't really pay attention. I mean, it was one of the little coupon things. And I went, it was local and it turned out to be two days. So um, that was interesting, <clears throat> but it turned out <clears throat> that was with um, Slim Sperling and Slim Sperling was a master dowser and he was, you know, that tall <clears throat> and about that thick. And he had a 10 gallon hat on and a belt buckle the size of a hubcap. But this guy was incredible. It's from Montana, I think it was from Montana. Anyway, um, and he was doing all his energy work and, and teaching us how to douse. And this is all demos, demonstration stuff on the first day. On the second day, we go out to go and um, dry it ourselves. And uh, do you, are you familiar with dowsing? Okay, so. He goes out and he bends up a bunch of um, L rods from welding rods and he, and he sections out an area and he's got all these streamers that you would do for um, plotting out uh, for laying out a house and all these different streamers for all the different energy lines running through this area. And he hands us all and he says, go to it. And I'm out there like, you know, okay, whatever. And I got the rods and I'm walking and I'm walking up to the first I don't, I don't we, we don't call it a ley line. A ley line would be a major um, energy uh, line or zone on the earth. And I get up to it and the rods do this. And I'm like, what the heck was that? And that's when the light bulb went off. And there's a lot more to this story, but um, to keep it short, I, I think there were 28 lines that he marked out in the area. And I found like 26 or 27 of them at the first try. So for me, it just blew my mind that we have those, even if you don't believe, you still have the capabilities. But if you just open yourself up, which is the whole point of, of, of this conversation, is opening yourself up to possibility that your whole world completely shifts. And that's my model of how I do things. So we got the dowsing. Um, <clears throat> we're exhibiting at Healing Touch conferences. I mean, we've been exhibiting, exhibiting at Healing Touch conferences. Uh, what have they been going on about 18 years? So probably about 16 years, either the, the second or third time that they had it, we found out we got in. And I was helping my wife at first and then I started doing my own. Eventually, I took healing touch and I've taken Reiki and in the crystal therapy, I, I met a crystal intuitive and I started studying with him, you know, and that's what happens. You start getting exposed to this stuff. And it's like, wow, it's not BS. It's not woo woo. It's there's something going on here and it does work. And again, that's opening the mind to the possibilities. Um, 
bringing it back sound is still my 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 foundation it's always been my foundation um granted i i used to do a lot of crazy things so i could see sound um, i don't see sound anymore um, but sound talks to me or i could communicate with the sound and what i mean is when i'm uh, you can see i have some gongs behind me um you know it's the other way <laughs> the camera's reversed so um, when I'm playing a gong or I'm playing a bowl, they communicate to me. Um, a lot of musicians will talk that way. They talk about playing their guitar or playing their keyboard or playing the drums, how there's a language going on. Same thing happens when I'm playing uh, an instrument, the, the gongs or the bowls. Um, and that also happens when I'm dowsing, when I'm doing healing touch or reiki or crystal therapy um, because there's an interaction if you don't have that interaction you're just putting uh, the energy to work out but you don't know what's coming back in so you, you have to be uh, some people like to use the word tuned or attuned to the field that's part of this and that's some of that i've learned through the various modalities um, uh, as Dr. Mitchell liked to say, in your toolbox, use all the tools in your toolbox, or as an artist would put it, use all the paints and all the paintbrushes, because the canvas is really wide and big, and you could just paint anything you want. Right. It's like, uh, you know, they're all... <clears throat> quite similar it's just the tool that's different whether it's a sound instrument versus dowsing rods versus whatever it right. might be right it's just a different way to tune in right right yeah and i'm curious um with with this work uh, and specifically in in sound i know that you're really involved um in a lot of discussion groups of course the harmonic um, therapy association. I know you're actually quite invested in getting information out there, having discussions. What do you think some of the most important um, aspects in the community are right now as far as the discussions that are going on uh, within those groups? The, the, I would say the big discussion going right now is the term frequencyism being locked up into a specific note or a specific frequency, the, the, the red pill, blue pill syndrome. If I have this specific frequency, it's gonna fix this, period. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And the reason why it doesn't work that way is everybody's different. Everybody's mental, uh, composition or capabilities are different everybody's physical is different and not just you know are you overweight or are you underweight what race you are or anything like there's you know what did you eat today um did you get a decent night's sleep um do you have any health issues going on all that affects what is going to transpire when you apply sound to uh yourself or to another person. Plus, more importantly, is intention. 
what is the intention? What is the practitioner trying to, I, I don't want to use the word achieve, but what are they trying to do? Are they trying to relax you? Are they trying to move some sort of trauma? Also, what is their training? Let's not forget, you know, sure, anybody can pick up a, a, a bowl or a mallet and strike a gong or, or bang a tuning fork over their knee or a, or a hockey puck or something. But when they go to apply it, um, how do they apply it? There was, there is a video that I posted the other day. Um, I hate to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up. And it shows somebody playing a simple tune. Happy birthday on a set of singing bowls. I don't know if you saw this one yet. You're shaking your head. And the reason I mention it is, is they were striking the bowls so hard, they were literally flying around the, the yoga pad or yoga mat they were on. And there's nothing wrong with playing happy birthday. There's nothing wrong with striking the bowls, but striking with intention and respect rather than you know, I mean, you might as well hand the person a hammer. If the, if, and I brought this up, the reason I bring it up is because people don't understand the power behind these tools. Um, you don't need to beat somebody with a stick, you know. Um, being subtle, being methodic, being more intuitive, feeling what's going on with that. That's why I say the interaction part. Um, being more uh, in tune or together, being trained properly and understanding what it means because you don't know who you're working on. We only get this window of time this much. If we get that much, we're lucky, right? When somebody comes in my office, this is my space here, um, and they come in to have a session, I sit down with them for 15 minutes to get a quick bio of what's going on. Why are you here, all right? When you go see a doctor, the doctor asks you a question, hi, how are you? And you say, fine. Well, if you're fine, then why are you there to see the doctor, right? We're no different. When somebody comes to see me, why are you here? Oh, I just, I just need a tune-up. Okay, well, if you need a tune-up, why are you here getting a tune-up? Why aren't you at an acupuncturist or a massage therapist or a chiropractor? What is it that I'm going to do that you need? And of course, you know, you're a sound, th sound therapist or sound healer or a sound practitioner yourself. You understand what I'm saying. Um, we need to explore into those areas. And then when we use the sound, see where it's going. Always be mindful, keeping an eye on what the client's up to. Uh, how's their breathing going? You know, are they jerking? Are they stressing? Uh, banging a bowl blindly is not a way to interact. So as a, as a sound practitioner, therapist, healer, 
whatever we want to call ourselves, we need to be mindful. Actually, that question, that, that just remind me, that question got brought up by somebody when they saw my post from the other day where I had all these gongs up for a yoga session. Why did I face the gongs a certain way? Why didn't I put myself in front of the gongs, you know, as more of a lack of a better way of the ego trip of I'm, I'm performing and I'm going to wave my arms around and have drippy sleeves and no, my job was to play for the people in front of me and also be able to keep an eye, be able to look around the gong like that and say, okay, everybody looks okay. Nobody's stressing out over here. Cause I don't know, even playing gently, I don't know. You could have somebody with PTSD in the, in the, in the audience. And all of a sudden you triggered something that they went through. So um, that is important, being mindful, frequencyism, not being caught up that this specific frequency is gonna fix everything or fix whatever everybody's claiming right now. A lot of that stuff, unfortunately, is marketing. I got something, I got something to sell you. I, I got I got it right behind me. I got a ton of bowls over here for sale. I can't guarantee it that that red one, you know, three or four bowls over is the one that's for you, but there may be a bowl that might interact with you that you might really like, you know, but coming up and saying, okay, this is the one, and this is the one that you need, and this is the one that's going to fix your problems. Uh, now you're prescribing, and that's something we are not allowed to do in this country. We are not allowed to prescribe. So we have to be careful with all that. Right, it's really the difference between the kind of pharmaceutical uh, protocol approach versus the purpose, you know, what is the intention and, and how can we help through what we're doing? And it's also, you're describing the difference between performance, I think, you know, um, performing and like, the question why why am i playing these sounds and what what am i intending to do so yeah i'm really hearing that and what you're saying as well yeah yeah so also you know um i guess i first met you at the gong summit it's been a few years ago i guess now yeah and yeah. You, were running, you were running sound and i know that you answer questions a lot for people about the use of sound, the use of equipment, how do I record? What's the best way to do uh, Zoom, you know, or, or online sound healing? I guess what's the most common question that you get? Uh, any, any tips? Because I know a lot of people are trying to uh, both record as well as do things online, especially over this last year. Sure. Um, <clears throat> recording is what makes it a challenge is there's several things that make it a challenge let's, let's see if we can get to that first of all is the room you can see a bit of my room but what you don't know about the room is i'm in a, a performance art building so there's dance and theater and guitar instructors and violin instructors and piano teachers here and so on and so forth. Um, you can see a little bit of my ceiling. This studio I spent six and a half months building. 
Now the walls were here, the door behind me was here, etc. But I had to design the ceiling to be soundproof or as much as I can get. And why is because I'm under a dance studio. Now, it may have a spring, it has a spring floor and it has a soundproofing in there, but this is a hundred year old building. And what happens is sound transmits through all solid structures. So what I had to do is make a ceiling that floated so that as the sound tried to come through, it wouldn't attach to the walls and it's on actually big springs. There's uh, springs that's hold the ceiling. And there's about a ton and a half of sheetrock up there. And why do I bring all this up? is the first thing you need to consider is the room itself. Because if you're next to a freeway or next to a train station, next to an airport, whatever, those sounds from outside are gonna get in and they're gonna get into your recording, that's number one. The second thing is you wanna record the instrument. So behind me, well, I guess, I'm, yeah, because the camera's reversed, I'm screwing. You see the gongs, okay? Gongs are very difficult to record because they're so dynamic. And what I mean by that is they can play very, very softly, very down here, notice I'm slightly out of your camera view, and they can get very loud very quickly. And it's not the matter of just bashing and crashing, it's, it's how you're applying your sound. So what that means is the microphone has to be able to carry, handle not just a, a wide range of frequencies, which means uh, the whole spectrum of sound. We can hear from 20 hertz, theoretically to 20 kilohertz. Some people can hear a little higher than that. Some people can hear all the way down to 20, but to the average person, it's about 40 to 16K. The gongs will play all that. Singing bowls are a little bit more limited because of their size. They're gonna play, let's say 100, 140 Hertz up to let's say 6K. Um, past 8, 10K, it's more of the sparkle of the sound. And that's something we also don't want to lose either, because otherwise the, the sound when you're recording sounds kind of muted or muffled. I don't want to say exactly muffled, but it's it doesn't have that crispness to us. So what happens is if you're just recording sound, the object is to make sure that the microphone one can handle the dynamic range, because if it can't, it's going to distort. And this goes to any microphone. It doesn't matter if it's on an iPhone or an Android phone, or I'm, I'm gonna hold my microphone up here for a second. This is a little, oh, where's my camera, here's my camera. This is my USB microphone we're using right now. Um, why do I use this? Because it's much better than the microphone that's built in the camera. See the microphone that's built in the camera is about the size of, a second to give you a little perspective here, the tip of this plug here, which I'm gonna get, try and get a clean, oh, there we go. See how tiny that is? Whereas the microphone in this, uh, where are you? There you are. this guy here is probably about the size of my thumb. So when you're looking at 
something like the again it, it's hard for me to do this because everything's out of backwards when you're trying to record a gong it's not so much yeah there we go the gong <laughs> it's not that you're it's a larger instrument you're recording it's what can the microphone handle obviously a tiny 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 microphone like that is not going to handle a whole lot of, of energy and pressure from that's a 22 inch gong back there the one next to it in the black stand is a 28 i think and i have a outside the camera angle is a 48 so we're using the gong for example there's pressure waves that get created in the air because you're moving air that's how we hear sound it hits the diaphragm um, i'm going to see if i got something i can show you give me a second here all right, we'll use this. This might work. It's just a, it's just a sheet of stickers. So if this is the diaphragm, sound hits it like this, and it's going to move. Obviously, it's going to be in a frame, so it's going to do things like this. It's going to wave back and forth to move. But if that pressure, that energy, is too great for this, it'll, it'll, it'll literally fold and snap and cringe and crumble and it won't break but it, it, it's called break it up because it can't handle it this is why we have so many problems with recordings when people use their phones or their ipads or whatever because the microphones are very tiny and made very cheaply this microphone uh, there it is it's a little better made it's still not good enough for the gong. I have much better ones that I use. Um, the better the microphone, the better you can capture the sound with. And it doesn't mean, okay, well, I have a phone. I have a phone and I just plug it in. It doesn't work that way. You need uh, an interface or you need a microphone that's compatible with if you want to use a phone or if you want to use an iPad, I have my iPad here too. Um, I can't really show, I guess I could show you. What I use is just one of them. This is not it. I'm going to grab my camera for a second. And some of my gear. This is a interface. It's a little dirty. Um, this is a Mackie Big Knob. And I'm not telling everybody to go out and buy Mackie Big Knobs. The reason I use this is because I can plug a microphone in and I can control it. I can also control my sound with this. I can control my speakers over here. I control my USB. So I have a bunch of choices. I'm going to go flip it back here. Let's see if we got this right. Oh, we got to go over here more. There we go. So what that allows me to do is make choices as to the type of microphone I can use and whether or not I can control its volume. Because what you need to do is, is the microphone typically doesn't have any controls on it. So you have to tell it or tell the signal how loud you want it to go into the computer. On a phone, very rarely you get to do that. Um, sometimes you can, you can go into the menu and you can click on some things depending on the phone and the program. 
but a lot of times you want to get decent quality, you're going to use a program or an audio capture program or audio recording program. Uh, one of the ones that works really well for the low buck uh, recording person is Audacity. Um, it's free, which we like, because um, you could spend a lot of money. And I'm, believe me, I sp I've spent a lot of money on this, but my recordings are phenomenal. Um, because that's, it's my thing. Um, recording is a much deeper subject, but it can be done with a phone. And I have some videos up there. I actually just sent, a, I think I posted a couple today. Um, but it takes some finesse. And what I mean by that is if you can't control how loud your microphone appears, in other words, what it sees, then you have to control your playing, which means you have to play consciously. Unfortunately, when we play consciously, meaning we're keeping an eye on our recording levels, we lose a little of that intimacy and that uh, spontaneousness. So that's why getting better gear getting better acquainted with your gear and how it's set up will allow you to produce a much better recording. Of course, outside of this, we could get into a whole conversation on this. Um, I know there are people putting videos on how to record singing bowls and gongs. I have talked to several people about doing my own series on it, uh, taking it from the basic of using a phone to multi microphone, multi-interface, mixers, and the whole deal. Um, we'll talk about that some other time. But when you're just starting out, just start. Oh, also importantly, you need a stand. Everybody forgets about that. You need to be able to take the phone and park it somewhere, OK? And then what you want to do on, on, on a lot of phones, the microphone is, is down here because we, we talk like this. So the microphone's down here and your little speaker's up here. It's actually right there. It's, it's right on the edge there. Okay, so what you want to do is you want to, if you're not doing a video, you want to point that microphone at your instrument. Because if you're not, let's say you have it pointing down because you want the camera, you're picking up more of the sound down here or if it's this way up here, you follow? So you wanna, you wanna, you wanna, for sound, you wanna point it towards. A better way to do it would be to get a USB microphone that can interface with, or a, a um, they have a phone jack. I know, I think iPhones don't have them anymore. Android still has a phone jack. I believe you can get a uh, uh, you could get a separate microphone to plug in, and then what you do is you set that so you could do your video. Oops, there we go, over here, and then have your microphone. <laughs> everything's backwards, over here, so that it's closer to your your instrument, and then you can get your your image all the way in the screen, and you get your sound much better. And then later on, if, if it's too out of whack, meaning it's too high or too low, 
in a program, I, again, I'm going to say Audacity because it's free. Um, I have a whole bunch of programs I use. Um, but in Audacity, you can go in and you can adjust that. But also understand that if your room is noisy and you bring your sound up because it's too quiet, you're also going to bring the floor noise up, which is, uh, in, in my particular case, they're working on the building next door. So we'll get the construction people or we'll get the trucks going by or we may get the ambulance going by on the street there or we may get the air conditioner kicking in. I turned my dehumidifier off before we have this interview started. Sure, so it might get a little hot in here or a little muggy, but at least we don't have that thing going while we're talking. Um, the fluorescent lights. I don't know if you'll pick those up, but in my recordings, when I record in here, the fluorescent lights are bad. So I turn them off because they hum. Uh, in this particular case, if I turn them off, this will be almost pitch black in here. So you got to comp, you got to compensate. So if let's say I say I, for this recording and I came up and I found out later on in we call it post-production that the lights were buzzing and it was obnoxious. I would take this video and I would put it in a different program, not audacity. I'd have to use something else that I use. And I would go in and I would look at that noise because I could actually see it as a line. It's, it's called a spectrograph or a spectrum analyzer. And you could look at that noise and it'll come up as a 60 cycle hum It'll be zzz, and it'll be a line straight there. And that program, I could click on it and erase it, which is pretty cool. But this is stuff, this is more advanced stuff. And again, you know, I had a lot of training in doing this years ago, and it's evolved as, as I go. But uh, start. The thing is, don't be afraid to record. And if it comes out bad, that's okay. Here's one thing you'll learn when you're doing this. You'll actually learn more from your mistakes than your successes. Because when you make a mistake, it'll force you to look at what you did and say, okay, how do I do that better? And your successes, you'll be like, oh my God, that was awesome. And then you go back to do it exactly the same way you did. And it didn't come out like that. And you're like, well, why not? I just did this, I just did this the last time, or I just did this five minutes ago, or it worked last week or whatever. It's like understanding what's happening is more important. Cause then you can say, oh, that's right. I forgot to turn the dehumidifier off. Oh, I left my fluorescent lights on. Oh, the camera was pointing this way. When I really don't care about the picture, I care about the sound. So I should have pointed it that way and had the microphone facing my gong better, you know, or the gong was too close to the wall or too close now with all this. Okay, over here, you see all these bowls. If I'm playing the gong louder, for example, some of those bowls are going to resonate and they're going to start vibrating on the shelf. And then I'll start hearing. And these are all the little things that when you're going to record, you have to think about.
That's why I said the room first. We can get into specific microphones and all that kind of stuff at some other time. And it'd be lovely to talk about it. But think about where you're doing it. Oh, stands, if you're playing a gong or, or the bowls, are you playing it on carpet or you're playing it on a wood floor, a million floor? Do you have a pad under it? All those little things. If you have a mallet, I have a mallet, I have a specific mallet that I, I, I modified with a fleece covering and I tie wrapped it. And if I don't turn the handle a certain way and I strike the ball, I'm going to strike it with the tie wrap and I'm going to get a ting. So the little things matter when you're recording. I do a lot of recording with, with the phone when I'm on the fly because it's quick. Unfortunately, it's clicking dirty out. I don't know if you can hear it. See, there's the construction guys now. <laughs> you have to be conscious of that. Yeah, no, can't hear it. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. I think it's really worth experimenting, even if it's just with your phone, experimenting with the proximity of the instruments, you know, what, what can that little mic microphone on the phone do? And it's, it's worth just playing with it um, and working on your setup. Um, yeah, yeah, excellent suggestions. I really appreciate that. And absolutely, we could go way more in depth on that and maybe we will sometime. But what I wanna touch on actually um, is your kind of other profession, but I, I certainly think it's related is build it, building biology, which I don't think probably too many people are familiar with. Um, but it does have to do with health and wellness. Um, so would you describe building biology a little bit, how you got into it and what it is and perhaps how maybe it's related to all this other stuff that we're talking about? Sure. Um, building, I am, I am a certified building biologist. I went through a, a program um, online and in person. Um, the average person, it takes about two years also to go through this. Uh, my background is I've, I've spent over 40 years in electronics in general, um, industrial electronics, military electronics, avionics, consumer, on and on and on and on. So my main job, if you, if you look at all those years, the 40, 45 years I've been doing this, my main job in a lot of this was taking noise out. What that means is noise, noise, it, when you think of the word noise, what do you think of? You think of an airplane going overhead. You think of motorcycle going by when you're trying to do something nice and quiet and relaxing. Though some people like that sound anyway, I, 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 I happen to like it also. Uh, but my point is, Noise is also when you're, if, if, if you're trying to pull in a radio station and it's fuzzing because the fluorescent light is bad. And it's, I don't wanna say sparking, but it's, it's fuzzing in and out and it's causing the radio to go, <laughs> right? That's noise. That was my job, was noise interference in electrical systems and electrical, you know, and electronic communication systems. My job was 
Um, for example, I worked for a military industrial computer company. We were uh, working with the US Army uh, and our computer was in charge of their telecommunication service. So if there was a piece of equipment that caused our computer to fail, and I don't mean just die, but you know, cause noise or, or interference, my job was to find it, okay? And the reason I have to give you this background is I didn't correlate that right away with noise affecting this. So what happens is uh, building biology is about healthy homes. It's about healthy home assessment. It's about everything. It's not just electrical or electromagnetic interference, which uh, a common term now is called EMF, which is actually stands for electromotive force or electromotive, uh, electromagnetic fields. Some people like to say electromagnetic frequencies, but it's electromotive force is the original term. Um, we also include indoor air and water quality, which is mold, bad water, meaning water that has toxins in it. We also get into VOCs, which is off-gassing of chemicals. Uh, you bought a new rug or you had a new rug installed and they glued it down. They used a glue that had formaldehyde in it. You have MCS, MCS stands for multiple chemical sensitivity. I actually have multiple chemical sensitivity. What that means is I cannot handle certain petroleum-based products. And this goes since I was a, a kid. Um, little background is my mom uh, would wash, you know, when I was a baby, she washed my diapers in Tide and I would break out in full body rashes. Couldn't use Tide because the chemicals in that soap I was sensitive to. So that carried through uh, to, to today, to, you know, to, to me right now, which is why I do more homeopathic and more alternative and natural healing, not completely getting away from medical, but trying to not be a crutch with medical, because I feel that the body can heal itself if given the proper environment. Proper environment means the space around us too. You have to have clean water. You have to have clean air. First, you need air. Air has to be clean. If you don't have good air, um, how long do you think you'll survive, right? You, if you hold your breath, how long are you gonna live, okay? Next is water. Why water? Because you can fast for a very long time, but you can't be without water for more than you know a couple of weeks. Then good food which is a debate when you go into Maslow's um, uh, higher, pyramid of hierarchy um, for needs or shelter. So we're gonna look at the shelter. So what we say in building biology is the built environment because we're indoors a lot, especially us in the Midwest. I know you're down in Iowa, I'm in Minnesota. Uh, we spend a great deal of time indoors because it gets cold out here. Uh, we call the building environment our third skin. First skin is the skin right here. Second skin is our clothing. Third skin is the building itself. So whatever is in this envelope, this building, this, this room, whatever we breathe, whatever we uh, consume in here affects everything inside this. So 
Um, my electronics background with that being, I got more into the electrical side because it made sense. I am certified in indoor, indoor air and water quality. I am certified to do mold. I don't, I choose not to because let's be blunt. It's, it's nasty business. I can make a ton of money being, I mean, ridiculous amount of money being a mold inspector or doing indoor air and water quality, but I'm a geek. So I like, I have all the meters. I don't have them here, but I have, actually I do. I do have one meter here. I have one meter here. I don't have my antenna on it right now. This is one of my meters. And I use this, it's called an RF Explorer. It's a handheld spectrum analyzer. And with this, I go around and I uh, basically listen using the meter as my ears, because a lot of the stuff that I'm measuring, you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, you can only feel it if, if it's uh, like an electrical shock or if it's uh, at a radiated uh, uh, level that you're sensitive enough to feel it. So I get calls from people. Um, and a matter of fact, I have one tomorrow with a client that something's not right. They moved into a new apartment. They're sensitive. They already know they're sensitive. And they're like, I need you to come out and confirm what I think is going on because you can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. And I know what I know is very simple. I already Googled up the address. They're in an apartment, number one. So what does that mean? Wi-Fi. If you're electrically sensitive, which means that um, the lights, the electricity, um, the computer, all this stuff affects you. It's, it's like an allergy, okay? It's no different than somebody who has, uh, I have, uh, I'm allergic to ragweed and it gets really bad towards the end of August. So this is no different uh, than somebody who's allergic to ragweed or somebody who's allergic to peanuts or somebody who's allergic to latex. To them, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. The problem we have in our society is those people are nuts. You know, they're crazy because they say the EMFs are bothering them or the 5G is affecting them or the Wi-Fi is affecting them. No, what they don't understand is it's an allergy and it's not recognized in this country and we don't accept it. If they were in Europe, specifically Germany, Sweden, France, uh, Russia, and believe it or not in Russia too, they do believe this. <clears throat> there are protocols and there's actually health advocates for people that are sensitive to electric and magnetic fields just like going to the doctor and saying i have a peanut allergy or i have a out my, my nephew is allergic to uh, latex so you know it, it it's a tough one um but with the meters we can find it and that's what i do i go out and i find it and the thing with this type of stuff is you can't begin to fix it until you know what you're dealing with. And we, you mentioned earlier, you know, I, I deal with crystals, 
and and some people like to call it the woo-woo. The problem with this type of stuff, the EMF stuff, is you can't, in many cases, you can't fix it with crystals, organite, and all these other methods. The reason being, it's a physical toxin. In other words, if you have a carbon monoxide leak in your house, okay, and your house is sealed up, it's the middle of winter, taking a quartz crystal and putting it over on the furnace is not going to fix the carbon monoxide leak. I'm sorry. You know, you could believe, you could believe all you want. And, and it's not that I'm, I'm dissing on anything. It's just people don't understand what they're, what they're dealing with. If I could go in and measure it, it's still there. Now, if I take this, I've got this, I've got this cure right here. I'm going to show you. This is a diamond matchbox cure. Right? Yeah, you know, you know, diamond matchbox, right? And I'm going to put this on my thing right here. And it's going to cure it. Why? Because somebody, I bought this. Somebody told me it's going to work. Right? Now, if I believe it works and I feel better, and I'm not talking about carbon monoxide, I'm just saying in general, if somebody sold me and they convinced me that this works and I believe it and I feel better, even though my meter is measuring the exposure, you following what I'm saying? Okay, then. My work is done. All I do is verify it's there. Personally, I wouldn't do that. Personally, I would take this device, and if I could turn it off, I'd turn it off. If I can't turn it off, can I move it? If I can't move it, can I put a shield around it? That's my methodology. First thing, get rid of it. Second thing is get it, get it far away as possible. Third is can I shield it? Those are my three basic methods of typically dealing with any electric electric or, or magnetic field stuff. But if I can't, and, 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 and my diamond matchbook cure fixes it, and I believe it, and I feel better, we call that placebo, right? But if I put that there, and I just spent 100 bucks on this, and it didn't do a darn thing, what happened so i tell people you know you, you the, the the main question is can i buy this blue pill or red pill you know we're back in the matrix and actually i was just watching a video about that this morning we're back in the matrix if i use a blue or a red pill is it going to cure me or am i just going to just ignore it my perspective is find out what's really going on hire somebody and i'm not look i'm not doing it to promote my business is hire somebody who knows what they're doing and say, oh, the reason you have that exposure is because, and what I'm pointing at over here, you can't see is, it's my little fan, okay? It's my little computer fan. It's your computer fan is actually bad. And you need to replace your computer fan because it's, it's got a bad motor or it's got a bad brushing in there or whatever the story is. And then if you replace it with a better one that doesn't have the issue, that should solve your problem. 
And then the person goes, oh, that was all it was? And a lot of times that's all it is. It's, it's a simple, many times it's a simple fix. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's very complicated. But the point is, is if you're sensitive, if you have an alert, an allergy to electric and magnetic fields, certain things, and if you have chemical sensitivity, you know, off-gassing from VOCs or detergents or whatever like that, or, or some people can't wear wool because, because it, it, you know, it's too itchy not because it's an itchy fabric, it's because they, they, you know, they get a rash from it. Chances are you're sensitive to EMFs, electromagnetic uh, frequencies, electromagnetic fields. Now, there are four types of electromagnetic fields. There's AC, four types that we're concerned with. There's AC electric field, AC magnetic field, there's RF, which is Wi-Fi, cell phone, cordless phone, Bluetooth, 5G, 4G, 3G, microwaves, all that. We, we just lumped that all together because they're all radiated broadcasts. But there's another piece of that RF just, just for that is the fluorescent lights because how they operate is there's a gas inside the bulb and they have a ballast which operates at, I think it's like 3000 volts. It actually steps up the voltage in the, um, in the line that, you know, you're powered up and that excites the gas. That creates a field which radiates out and you can actually, you can actually hear it if you use an AM radio. You take an AM radio and go around and listen to the buzzing. Um, and then the last one was dirty electricity which is noise produced by fluorescent lights, computer power supplies, um, anything that has a power supply nowadays. And that gets into a whole longer, much longer and involved discussion, which again, we could do that some other time. So it's an allergy, but in this country, we don't look at it that way. We look at it, this person's crazy. They're not crazy. Most of my clients are not crazy. I have a few that. <laughs> no, seriously, um, they're not crazy. It's an allergy. And, and when we stop the toxins, the exposure, they get better. A lot of times they get better immediately. And that's what's, and that's one of the cool things about what I do. Going back to the sound, same thing. It also turns out that the relationship between sound and, and, and what I do in the building biology is it has to do with stress. If they're being stressed out because of the exposure, okay, a lot of times my EMF clients also become my sound, sound healing, sound therapy clients because I can help them get de-stressed, help them relax, help them recover faster. Uh, one of the best things I love about my work is when I'm dealing with people with chronic illness, cancer, leukemia, um, MS, Parkinson's. I have all kinds of stories of sound therapy, helping those people, uh, 
my EMF work helping those people, my energy work helping those people. I mean, I just love doing it because I love seeing the results of somebody who's really taxed, stressed, compromised. And you can see, literally watch the blood flow back into their body. Watch this yellow or gray person start turning pink and lifelike and the smile returning and, and the stress lines reducing. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it, it, that's why half the reason why we do it is because it's, it's so transforming. Um, you know, one begot, one, be, one was a hobby that became a profession. One was a profession that I don't want to say became a hobby. It's just, I just, I'm a geek at heart. I love gear. I love hardware. I mean, if I could show you all the toys I have in here, it'll blow your mind. I've got a whole little synthesizer thing here. I've got my fanless computer over here. I've got my, I showed you my interface. I got my monitor speakers. This is all for my sound healing stuff. And then my car, I have a big suitcase full of meters. I go around and measure all this. <laughs> I have a, you know, it's, it's, I get paid to have fun. <laughs> right. Now, I appreciate you tying them together, though, because it really is about how can I help people feel better in their environment, in their, you know, you, when you mentioned the first skin, the, I, I really appreciate you kind of bringing that all together because that's how all these different modalities. Right, right. Really, yeah. And, yeah. and, and dowsing is in there, too, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of the lines and the stress points and, and the zones. See, another thing that people don't address is with the dowsing, uh, the farmers know all about this. And actually, I, I, I think I mentioned it, but I, I didn't mention it here, but I mentioned it. If I, if I ever get the book written, <coughs> I'm writing a book about all this. Awesome. And the book is called, You Can't Fool the Cows. The reason for the title is, first of all, the farmers are very much aware of the dowsing or the geopathic stress and the EMF issues because the cows, the, the cows won't produce milk or the chickens won't lay the eggs or, or, or the llama's coat, the fur won't come in right. So when they go to shave the, the fur off of the sheep, it, it's not, it's not a good quality, you know, the, the animals, the animals know because they stress out before we do. We're, we're so bombarded with everything, with the news, the media and everything going on around us, we don't pay attention. So the reason that the title is, if I go to a farm and, and I do my mitigation work, whether it be dowsing, EMF work, I've actually sound healed on a cow, did a big singing bowl on a cow that was really doing bad and it, the cow is getting better. I can't explain it and it's too long. To, so my point is, if I can do this work and the animals are getting better, right? The animals have no, uh, uh, I don't, I, I'm trying, the word I'm trying to think of, it's, you know, the concept, it's, they, they don't judge, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't have an opinion. 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I believe you. Oh, I don't believe you. All they know is, oh, I feel better. Whereas I could tell you anything. I could tell you that this diamond matchbook cure is going to fix this problem over here. And for $99.99 plus shipping and tax. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? So if, if, if I can help the animals, I can help the people without judgment without bias, just do the work and look at the results. And that's what, that's what the book is about. It's actually, it's actual cases I've done and just paraphrased, you know, you know, nobody was harmed The names have been replaced to protect the innocent, you know, what was that Superman? I think it was, <laughs> but it's, it's fascinating work. And I love doing it. I love, I love, I love talking about it. I love teaching it. That's great. Well, something to look forward to in your book. And I think you're right when you said that about animals is that they don't have, gosh, we just get in our own way through skepticism and, and bias and that judgment um, that that's, that's half, half the, the battle. <laughs> it's just right. allowing and surrendering, you know. Absolutely. You know, because we don't open ourselves up to the possibility. We, we wall ourselves off. Even our most enlightened people, uh, unless you're borderline sainthood, uh, you know, or martyr, uh, you know what I mean? We're talking like Gonda, Mother Teresa, and a few others out there. We all get caught up into these biases that shape and influence what we believe and what we don't believe and how we respond and react to, 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 to what's being presented in front of us. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a story in. So I was at, I was at a, I was at a fair actually near you. This was a few years ago. And I was doing sound healing with singing bowls and gongs. I had an anti-gravity chair. You're familiar with anti-gravity chair. It's a, basically a lounge chair that, that, that kind of floats, okay? And a guy comes up to me and he was walking with a cane. And uh, we were talking and he says, well, you know, this is what happened. And what happened was he was a police officer that was shot several times. And he was paralyzed from about mid thigh down on his left leg. And he said, well, can you do anything? I don't know, you know, so he sat in a chair and I thought it was 20 minutes. You know how it is when you start getting work, do work, right? So I guess an hour and a half or so later, I'm, I come up for air and I'm working on him. I'm playing the gongs and the bowls and doing ball massage and, and whatnot, right? And he, you know, comes out of it because he basically, you know, when you go that deep, a lot of times they'll either go into a trance or they'll zone out or they'll actually fall asleep. He finally comes out and he says, I don't know, but I think I might've felt my toes. Now this is a guy who hasn't felt anything from mid thigh down 
for the last seven years, had 13 surgeries. Uh, I think it was 13 surgeries. He was shot three times. And now he says he thinks he could feel his toes. Okay. Fast forward a year. This is this happened about five, six years ago. Fast forward a year. I'm in my same spot, doing my same thing. He comes walking by with the cane and he comes up to me and says, Hey, I'm mad at you. I'm like, oh geez, now what? And he goes, you remember me? And I says, oh yeah, well, how can I forget the guy, right? He says, well, when you did that session on me, he's like, yeah, yeah. I couldn't feel nothing from mid-thigh down. I says, yeah, yeah, I remember. He says, well, now I feel everything. And he leans close into me like this and he goes, good and bad. And he looked at me and he started tearing up and I started tearing up. And we started hugging and he says, I've had 13 surgeries. I've seen countless doctors and therapists. I don't know what you did, but whatever you did, it's magic. And can I get back in your chair? <laughs> that was one session. Wow. Got in the chair. We did it. The following year after that, I was busy working on somebody, you know, but this time it was a different spot. I saw him out of the corner of my eye, but I couldn't stop to say hi because I was in deep in session, but he was walking without a cane. Now, I can't say I cured him. I can't say I fixed him. All I can say is, like I was mentioning about the building biology, is creating the environment suitable for the healing to take place my opinion and again this is just an opinion there was a blockage whether it be mental physical emotional right that the sound waves released removed dissipated broke up whatever terminology you you, you want to call it and i can't and it goes back to the very beginning about frequencyism it wasn't one note that did it it was a series of uh, we'll call it events using different bowls, tuning forks, bells, chimes, gongs, whatever, massage, Reiki, healing touch, the whole gamut. I mean, the, using the entire toolbox to create the space to allow this person to heal properly. And that is what the whole thing is really about. And I bet your intention was really strong as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. My intention was, and it wasn't an ego-based intention, like I'm God or I'm I'm the super healer or something. It was, I'm going to be of service and I'm going to do the best of my abilities to give you the, just give you the most quality work possible. And that's why I love, again, I can't stress on how much I love doing this stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just so fulfilling. Hmm. That's a beautiful story and really a testament to your philosophy and approach as well. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You're, well, you're awesome. Welcome. Yeah, Frank, thank you so much for your time. And is there anything you want to share? Maybe something that's coming up, uh, something you're excited about, something new coming up? 
project or I guess your book. <laughs> yeah, the book eventually. Um, I, I just got to sit down and 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 work with a work with a writer to make sure my words come out come out correctly. Sure. Um, but that's about yeah, and you know th that's it. I mean, I'm here. Um, we're coming out of the the darkness, <laughs> the weirdness. <laughs> um, I have a studio in Minneapolis. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, my website's down because I'm working with a with a with a different uh, uh, company. Port oh, actually, it's a portal we're working on that allows me to reach a larger audience. So we're working on that. Hopefully, that'll be up in a couple of weeks. Um, I, and we're hanging in there. And if if you need to get a hold of me, just look for me uh, on Facebook. It's the easiest way to get me these days. Um, yeah. I'm also listed at the building biology, uh, I think it's buildingbiology.org under practitioners. I do, uh, I do consults for EMF work. Um, I do some phone work. The thing is this type of stuff with the meter, you need to have somebody come in who knows what they're doing to measure it. It's serious. Um, it's not just 5G. There's all kinds of other stuff going on with the electrical and the plumbing. And unfortunately, the electricians, the plumbers and the contractors, they don't get it. They don't understand it. They, they teach them nothing about it. This stuff should be uh, these errors and these problems we're having, we shouldn't have them. Um, but it's, it's part of it is the way our, our system is set up in this country. Um, they would never allow it in Europe, but it's allowed here. So you can get a hold of me that way or get a hold of me through your, your contacts. And we need to get together sometime. You know, not that far away. I know. Well, you know what? And my mom lives in St. Paul. So I, I'm Oh, you've got to be kidding me. I was just up there a couple of weeks ago. So next time I'm up there, I'll, uh, I'll touch base. Yeah, please do. We'll have you come by the studio. That'd be great. That'd It'll, be great. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. I enjoy that. And actually, you know, anytime somebody, I have students that are in the Twin Cities, and anytime somebody asks me, do you know anybody up here I could receive a session from, I mention your name. So hopefully cool. now that we're coming out of the pandemic, you might have a... And I do, I do sell singing bowls. I do sell gongs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I import. I try to import the, uh, you know, the Nepalese gongs. You know about those. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. they're just. Oh. They're the best. <laughs> they are. They really they are. are. They are. Yeah. They're just. Yeah. They're just. They're phenomenal. I have. That's the one right behind my head right here. That's that's one of the Nepalese gongs. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's my. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think my my first gong, bigger. You know, bigger gong. Uh, was I think a 20 it's a 27 inch gong Nepalese wind gong and it's still my favorite you know even though I've tried all the other all the other kinds uh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 those, yeah those Nepalese wind gongs are there's nothing yeah, that's, else. that's when this one is yeah have you have you now now for your audience you and I are just going to chat for a second here yeah so have you have you suspended it by by hanging it with the with the loops i don't know if you can like see yours? it 
Yeah, I have it by the loops, but I don't have the corks in there. I have cork spacers so that, oh, okay. so that okay, so the cord looks like this. Mm -hmm. and the gong hangs off the, so it's just the very edge of the gong. Oh. If you haven't tried it, you have to try that. Okay. What happens is it frees up, you know, that the, the, the edge is always in contact. Yeah, because right. Of the way to, because the wind doesn't roll back enough like a chow. Sure. So when you do that, it actually adds more sparkle to the gong. Mm. Oh, it's okay. Yep. No, I see. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Because yeah. those yeah. are those. It's just I don't have the corks in there right now because yeah, I don't know where I put them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'll I'll give that a try. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always I'm always I'm always for trying different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, thanks so much again. That was really fun. Thanks for your time. And it was a I'll, blast. Definitely, I'll let you know next time I'm up in uh, the Twin Cities. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, if it was a couple of weeks ago, actually, I was on the road. So okay. it wouldn't have worked anyway. Right. Next time. Next time. Sure. Have All a, right. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Talk to you soon. You too. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. You can keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com. Check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio. And you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned. <laughs>